Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back to episode 147 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on October 19th over on twitch.tv slash Chat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the most loyal lore booklet. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and we also, you know, just in case anyone was worried about him, we also have with us the man who has said has the voice of a flower, an individual who goes by many different names and who is really good, apparently, at hiding from his fellow podcast what? hosts, Justin Sane yeah. 0516. Justin, what guys do you have on for us tonight? <laughs> just, just the regular one, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can tell you that uh, in my time away, it wasn't all fruitless. I was able to secure some sponsorship for the show. So uh, that might help us out with, with the revenue. This show tonight is brought to us by Varric's Desk. Varric's oh, Desk. God. The stand-up desk <laughs> for the four-appendaged um, elixiny type office worker. Varric's Desk. I'm huh? kind of mad that you didn't make a jingle for that. To be honest, dun, dun, to, to dun, be dun, fair, dun, dun. I just I just now came up with it. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I was like, oh, crap, I got to come up with a name. Okay. <laughs> well, next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only Green Eye Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? I'm good. I've actually taken a little bit of time off from the game, which has been a rare thing at this point. Um, yeah, so it's been good. Taught Justin how to run blind well right before the show started. That was so that's... hilarious, by the way. Oh my god. Did an Get into the safety bubble! I, I, I still don't understand it. Yeah, I know. It's because you're on Xbox and I'm on PlayStation right now and I can't actually walk you through it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I failed you. Well, I know for this episode, so there's, there's a special announcement that we have, but real quick, I wanted to, do you want to do the special announcement or do you want to do the question um, first? Let's go ahead and do the special announcement because it doesn't have to do with the topic. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, as of actually this Sunday, we will have been live on the air for three years. That will be our anniversary. Basically, October 21st is basically the first uh 
time that we went that we recorded and got all published and everything. And that's just insane for me to even think about. Um, and in celebration of that, we're going to do a couple of different things. I have over, I think probably the last month gathered a couple things for a giveaway. I still need to sit down and actually figure out how we are going to do that giveaway. Uh, so it's been insanely busy. Um, but I will be doing that hopefully this weekend and getting that published Sunday, I think is going to be the deadline that I'm going to give myself. Uh, so by the time Monday, by the time you guys hear this on a podcast, uh, you hopefully will have already seen this. Um, yeah, chat. So so last year we did a trivia uh, competition, and they wanted to. We wanted to know how many people know what the actual first episode of Focus Fire Chat was. Over. The one that was released, or the one that was recorded. The first, the first episode that was that was Focus Fire Chat. So not the not necessarily the one that was recorded to be the biggest hint. Um, and I think at the moment. Still, no one's answered it correctly. Anyways, I know. Um, can I, yeah, can I, can I no, Justin, you're not I allowed. Mean, you were there. No, actually, he I, I wasn't, wasn't there. <laughs> that was oh, the no, problem. That oh, was the God. problem. Um, so yeah, that that I was, was uh, to be there. <laughs> um, the other thing that we did is Green was kind enough to spend a good amount of time and put together an amazing looking shirt. Uh, and we just launched the campaign tonight. So Friday night, we're launching the campaign. Uh, we'll be putting it out on Twitter, obviously, as soon as we get off this live stream again. So by the time you hear it uh, on their podcast feed, this will probably have already gone live. But the shirt that we have released is a three year anniversary celebration shirt. Um now, if you don't get a chance, I don't know how long we I haven't decided how long we're going to run that campaign. I'm thinking maybe until the end of the month, um, just depending. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still up in the air on this one. Um, but what we are going to do, what I have planned is I'm going to take the design of that shirt and we're going to tweak it a little bit, uh, not and keep and take off basically the anniversary aspect. And we will be running that shirt going forward as a regular part of the the shirt or the shop that we have for focus fire um we're going to be trying hopefully i want to try to get some more designs up there hint hint justin um you know for us to kind of offer everyone but so it will it will be the basic design will be similar uh but it won't be the same as the anniversary design that we have up there right now um other than that the giveaway to give you an idea of what I have, I've been able to ca- uh, capture, I've, I've, ca- I've caught not all of them, but some of them, uh, the vinyl ghost, uh, I got, I have a couple of the general shells and a, a kill tracker. Um, and then I also do have an extra deck of cards from the forsaken. And then I believe I have, yeah, I have a extra, um, Sundance model, uh, ghost keychain. So those are the ones that I've been able to scrounge up. And I believe, Green, you said you might have a couple things that we've been able to collect over the, the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't have them listed out That's right fine. now. So but... we'll, we'll be getting we'll be getting that out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not sure exactly how uh, Green and I need to touch base on that piece. So we'll be getting that information out to you as soon as we can. But we just wanted to take the opportunity to say, you know, huge thank you to everyone yeah. for, for putting up with our insanity uh, 
for the three past years. three years. Uh, we are not going anywhere. Uh, I know. I Wait. don't know if anyone's worried about that, but we're not because we're many? not. That's what my guidance counselor told me. Uh oh. I'm not going anywhere. That's what he told me. <laughs> oh, okay. I was worried about where that was going. To be honest, um, what was that green? I was just going to figure out how many days of your life you wasted listening to us. Oh God! Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's dangerous. Um. But yeah, so uh, the <laughs> chat, the uh, question of the week was, who do you think the Kel of Kells will be? Uh, and Green sent that out over on Twitter. I believe that was actually, she actually sent that out, uh, what was that? A couple days ago. A couple days ago, Wednesday? right? Yeah, on the 17th. And an overwhelming percentage of them thought that uh, Variks. So basically the question of the week was, will Varix be the Kel of Kells? And the 70% of them chose the option of, Green, do you want to do the honors? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Green, I don't know, did you have any of the responses that you particularly wanted to give a a call out on? Uh, One of the opposing responses, somebody saying no. Uh, JC said that, her answer to this is no, I believe Varys will try to become Kel of Kells because that is what he believes is right. But I think in the end, Mithrax will be Kel of Kells eventually. And then a couple more people basically are saying that Mithrax will be there instead of uh, Varys, which is interesting. But uh, Mithrax is definitely mm-hmm. up there, I think. I um, think so, too. I think so, too. Um, a couple of people are asking questions for the episode itself in some of these. But uh, even Doom for Zombies was like, he's become too fanatical. He's only about the Elixney. Mithrax seems much more likely at this point. So lots of Mithrax fans, as far as the commenters go. Um, even though we had 119 votes and 70% of them were for Variks to be the Kelico. And I think that's kind of where the gut reaction for a lot of people would be knowing that he's the last of the house judgment and everything else going on. And Bunchy's kind of been sort of putting him up on that pedestal for about two years at this point. That's and that's, and that's fair. And I think we can get into that a little bit, obviously with, Mm -hmm. uh, with the topic, but um, because I think the, 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 intriguing aspect of the I, I don't even know if i would call it a pedestal that varix has been put on is that it's it's not quite as pristine as you know as it seems on the surface especially with the last entry of this particular com- this particular topic we'll we will uh talk about exactly maybe some of the stuff that varix has done that might not be so much on the up and up as uh as some people want to think um but we'll we'll I mean we'll hopefully see that play out a little bit more in game. But real quick, as obviously you can tell, we we all kind of have a, a bit of a kind of excited about talking about this one. So let's run through our normal intro notes real quick, and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed ghost stories. 
If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay up on the charts, which helps others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you once again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the lore booklet Maracena. Note that there will not be a poll this weekend, as we are going to set aside next week's discussion for a summarization of the extra lore content for October, Bloodborne. With all that being said, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. Oh, what does it mean to be loyal when your loyalties are split in such a way that they contradict each other? We've all wondered about Varric since the House of Wolves DLC, and what his role as the Warden of the Prison of Elders looked like. In Most Loyal, we not only get a glimpse of how Varric was treated, but also hints of his own motivations and tribulations. It in some ways humanizes the fallen, making his decisions relatable and thus not as black and white as we at first may have assumed. So start the episode. Yes. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about Most Loyal, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. Alright, well, so for Lost Lore this week, I actually wanted to take a bit of a closer look at a mention that we see in the most loyal lore entry, and that is of Calix Prime. Uh, Calix Prime is actually something of a curious mystery for the most part. Uh, we know from earlier information that Calix was somewhat important, but we kind of find out within Most Loyal that Calix is a very, very significant servitor uh, to the Elixni during their their golden age. Um, so real quick to kind of take a step back and kind of talk about that a little bit uh, for those who, who are joining in on the game who might not be fully familiar with what the servitors are other than giant Pokeballs that run around and shoot purple beams at people. Um, servitors are basically, they're described as living relics of the past fallen civilization. Servitors are highly advanced machines that can process matter and energy into the ether that all fallen depend on for life. They can fulfill a support role on the battlefield, but also anchor fallen communication networks and provide technological support. 
Given their ability to generate and provide ether, the fallen tend to treat the servitors as gods in their own right. And though although servitors fulfill a vital role in fallen society, they are integrated into it, into it in a complex way. Servitors are actually attached to what's known as a prime servitor, uh, which is the largest and most powerful servitor in a fallen house. The prime servitor exists in a kind of an unclear symbiosis with a fallen archon who works to convey the wishes of the house's Kel to the prime servitor. So that kind of goes into uh, the the concept of the triumvirate, if you will, of the fallen hierarchy within a house. Now, note here, too, that each house has its own prime servitor. Uh, so each house will have a prime servitor. Each house will have a archon. Usually it's referred to as an archon prime or prime archon. And then obviously the Kel, which is the kind of the powerhouse for the most of the leadership position within the house. Um, so some recent developments actually suggest that the prime servitors play a key role in fallen spaceflight as well. Now that was back in D1. We did find out later into the Destiny 1 game uh, with the release of, I believe it was the Drifter um, Crucible map, that that actually is the case. There is a a particular brand or particular model of servitors that is called a pilot servitor. And what that servitor does is literally is uh, jacked into the ships, the catches or the, the skiffs or what have you. And that is the, the uh, navigational AI basically that keeps those ships running. Now we can identify a lot of the known primes in the game world so far, because actually a lot of them have names or their ships. The Kells catches are actually named off of the prime servitors. Uh, so the servitor primes that we know or the prime servitors that we do know uh, are obviously Calyx, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, Orbix, which is a another one that we'll talk about here in a second. Both of those are actually going to be uh, aligned with House of Wolves. House of Devils, uh, you probably will remember if you played Destiny 1, this is Sepix. Uh, we we were responsible for putting down Sepix multiple times. And then House of Winter has a prime servitor called Simix. And then House of Dusk, which is actually the House of the Fallen that was introduced inside Destiny 2, that was that they would actually have their prime. So House of Dusk is a very unique house in more than one way. Um the the idea of House of Dusk is that the prime so the prime prime servitor is one that suppose that I believe goes by the name of Brandax. There is also a call out to the fact that the House of Dusk has gen, has created several generic prime servitors uh, to basically increase the amount of ether being extracted. And the kind of concept here is that each one of those prime servitors has a network of servitors underneath it that help extract ether into um, into or well extract matter into ether so they would send each of these units out um, every public event basically that we did in destiny 2 i believe it's failsafe who makes a comment about this too it's like you know when you kill them they stay dead they rebuild them basically um, there is one other possible prime servitor uh, we do not have confirmation on this one uh, and this one is minkus minkus is actually mentioned in the rise of iron it is connected to a uh, splicer ship uh, and the splicer ship is Minkusin, I believe is the one. Let me grab my note real quick on that one because I don't want to tell you guys incorrect on that one. 
But yeah, Mink is Sin. So these ships that we have associated with these different prime servitors is Calix Sin uh, for the House of Wolves, Orbix Fell, and then Simix Fell uh, for the House of Winter. Those are the ships that will kind of connect there and back and forth. So that's kind of a, a, a really high level, really quick and dirty way of understanding how the servitors work. So basically, the new information in Most Loyal actually indicates that Kellex Prime, like I had said, was very, very significant servitor. And this was uh, kind of mentioned inside, I believe it was the two cells, I think. It was either two cells or uh, reacquaintance. I can't remember which one exactly. But basically, what we have is uh, Varix is actually having a conversation with Fickrell. And Fickrell, it turns out, and Variks have a very, actually interesting history. The Archon Prime who served Calix Prime, who served under Calix, was Fickrell. Fickrell was the Archon Prime who served under Calix. And because of this, Fickrell was a close peer to Variks, who was at the time one of the scribes of the then still present House of Judgment. So it was actually Fickrell and Varix, who were responsible for going to Calix Prime and severing its connection to the Elixni during the Whirlwind and hiding that Prime Servitor from the Elixni after the Great Machine, which is their reference to the Traveler, after the Traveler abandoned them. So Varix actually first-handed, first-hand experienced the abandonment of the Traveler of by the Elixni, or the Traveler's abandonment of the Elixni. Varix was there. He watched them do it or watched the Traveler disappear. And then after that, he and Fickrell were responsible for hiding Calix Prime from the rest of the Elixni, who, because basically what happened was everyone just went crazy. Uh, it just descended into madness. And so in order to protect the Prime, they dis- they pretty much disconnected it from the rest of the Elixni population and hid it from everyone. So they, they were actually, in some ways, kind of betraying their people there um and so basically what's going on here is first off that kind of is putting fickrell in a bit of a more prominent position than i think a lot of people might be might be thinking of him as uh he was not just used to be an archon he actually used to be one of the he used to be the prime behind calyx so what what does all this do so basically what happens is we also possibly see a connection here, and I had mentioned this before, I think it was before show, uh, we also see a possible connection to the Chimera that we that you guys have, uh, I believe the, the name for them is the Meatballs, is that correct, Green? Yeah. It's, okay. It's just because uh, when he spawns and he looks like a... I mean, it's a servitor, but he's got the, like the little tentacle type mm-hmm, things the going on, and, right? And he spawns in at the last mission of the story, but he also spawns in during one of the missions in the Dreaming City and in Gambit, randomly to start the quest for Malfeasance. Right. Um, so the connection here from Chimera and servitors is that there is kind of a line. Now this is. This is kind of a theory, and I'm not really sure where I'm, I necessarily stand on this one. But there is a line from Varix to Fickrell asking Fickrell if Fickrell was responsible for betraying Calix again to the Taken, um, thus allowing Calix to be taken 
which would create the first um, servitor, which I believe the servitor, the the uh, chimera that shows up in Gambit is known as the Ascendant Primeval Servitor, um, which kind of indicates what was kind of interesting there. Um, so basically what we see, so to kind of step back into Calyx is here, Calyx Prime was actually last believed to be active somewhere among the Anakis, which is uh, some moons of Jupiter. And this was right before the beginning of the Reforce. Uh, we actually first see a mention of Calyx in the Strike where we encountered Axor, Archon Priest, which is way, 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 way back to Destiny 1. Everyone, if anyone played that one, that was the one where you hid underneath the patio and shot him. Uh, so Axor actually was a former disciple of Fickrel. Uh, who had been freed from the prison of elders. And we were basically stopped. We, we were involved with Axor in the sense that we had been assigned and we kind of took the bounty from the queen to stop him from joining up with the house of winter. Uh, this is all kind of taking place in winter's run strike from the vanilla destiny campaign. That's this. So this was the first kind of mention of, um, of Calyx Prime that we saw in game. From the transcripts that we have available concerning the Reforce, which is basically the Marade, uh, which is what happens in the House of uh, Wolves, we have, Mar-Riad. I believe, what's that? The Marade? Yeah, that one. Marade. 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 Yeah, you're close enough. Mm. Continue, Blue. Oh, man. Um, so basically from the transcripts that we have from that, we see, so the Reforce were basically the, the giant battle between the fallen and the awoken. Uh, it began at the time of the battle of the, I, battle of the Iris and then ended with, or battle of the Iris, which then led to the sacking of the libraries in Hygieia. And it actually ended during the battle of Cybele with the capture of pretty much all of the fallen leadership by the Armada Paladins of the Awoken. Um, especially this was especially the shining point for Abrazire, who was one of their one of the four paladins at that time. Um, so basically, from those transcripts, we know that the Orbic servitors were a variant design or programming of servitors that, through their ability to control the Calyx servitors, was actually where Ixes got an advantage over the forces of Skolas and Paraxis. Uh, so also basically to kind of go into a little bit of explanation there. What happens is the Battle of Iris is where Mara, if I'm remembering this correctly, is where Mara kills the current Kel of the House of Wolves, or the former Kel of the House of Wolves. When she does that, she creates a, a vacuum of power inside that house, and basically all of the captains and barons of the House of Wolves turn on each other. The prominent figures are Skolas, Paraxes, and uh, Erixes. Or Axis. Sorry. Um, so basically what they do is Skolas and Paraxis go after the Calyx servitors, um, and Araxis goes after the Orbic servitors, uh er- Erxes goes after the Orbic servitors. When they get when she gets the Orbic servitors, she then gets control of that. Note here that we don't know the origin of the Orbic servitors. Uh, there is a theory that it was a modified version of the Calyx servitors, which kind of hint- which would explain the uh, ability of the Orbic servitors to control the Calyx servitors, but we're not sure. Um, this basically kind of goes in, and what this allows Mara and the Awoken to do is they basically just sit back while 
all the fallen kind of kill each other until they have the opportunity to just swoop in when they're weak. And that allows them a much, not a, not an easy quote unquote victory, but a much easier victory over them. So this goes then into the prison of elders. So our next kind of introduction or next kind of vision of Calix here is Calix reborn, which is in the prison of elders challenge machine wrath. Um, so this is again, during the house of wolves, we actually see the introduction of Calix reborn. And this is a servitor that was actually kind of kit bashed together by the imprisoned house of wolves members. And what they did is they basically took all, all these lesser servitors and smooshed them together and then created Calix reborn and they view this as a resurrected Calix Prime. And they were so kind of obsessed with this particular uh, this particular reborn, resurrected uh, form that they they basically were just giving it their ether to fuel it. Um, ultimately, it didn't go too far because the Guardian got involved and, you know, we, we kind of blew it up. Um, and then, ba- what was that? Oh no, that that was an apt uh, description of what happened. Yeah, yeah, it it basically we popped their bubble. Um, so fo- so and then following following the betrayal of the house or the the wolves in the House of Wolves DLC from Destiny One, the one of the other things that we were de- that we were involved with were we were given multiple bounties by the Awoken, mostly Petra and Mara. Uh, to hunt down basically Queensbreakers is what they were referred to as. And these were the primary units within the House of Wolves that betrayed the Awoken and you know were responsible for killing quite a few Awoken at the time. One of those targets was Calix 12. And this was a servitor uh, that was aligned with an individual who went by the name of Scrivix, the Sharp-Eyed. And they had actually been a major component in the uh, Battle of Cybele. Uh, they were responsible for leading uh, part of the attack. Uh, and this was the attack that ultimately was a failure. And that failure was due to Varix, which kind of ties back into the topic of tonight. Uh, Varix actually betrayed Skolas to Mara after Skolas kind of went off on the deep end and started basically killing innocent civilians. Um, he was not okay with that, and so he defected to Mara, and the Royal Amada uh, showed up, basically, with all four of the Paladins, which was, at the time, Abrazire, Hallam Finn, Kamala Rior, and Leona Brill. Uh, this was after um, I just blanked on the individual's name, who uh, Hallam was uh replacement of she had died and he he was her protege and then he was also responsible for a lot of stuff that he he was uh responsible for a number of the battles that they won that i completely just blanked um but so all four of the paladins show up ambush their fleet just after the wolves arrive and then basically calyx 12 and uh scrivix try to escape and Abrazire is actually the one that hunts them down and captures them and then basically throws everyone into the prison of elders which is now or which is under Varix's control because what Varix does is he passes judgment over them uh, we learn a little bit more about that as well in the most loyal book but 
that's kind of a really, really, really brief um, look at Calyx. Calyx is is a very big deal to the Elixni. We learn we learn quite a bit about the Elixni Golden Age just from the bits and pieces uh, inside Most Loyal uh, and a few other throwaway lines about them throughout the lore or throughout the entries that we've gotten uh, about Varix. And it's it's actually kind of interesting, some of the stuff that we heard. I, I want to know more about Edge Wars, to be honest. Um, one uh, curious note that I did make uh, in regards to Anakis, which was the irregular moon of Jupiter that I had mentioned, we actually see uh, Anake in the Orphic mythology, and this is going to tie back into the Traveler as well, which is why I kind of I kind of made a note to call it out. Uh, it's and what the note that I have here is says it's in Orphic mythology. Anake is a self-formed being who emerged at the dawn of creation with an incorporeal serpentine form. Her outstretched arms encompassing the cosmos. Anake and Kronos are mates, mingling together in serpent form as they tie around the universe. Together, they have crushed the primal egg of creation, of which constituent parts became earth, heaven, and sea to form the ordered universe. Anake was the mother, or another identity, of Andrastia, the distributor of rewards and punishments. Now, the the point here that I want to point, or that I want to focus on, is that primal egg of creation. Another word for that is the Orphic egg, which is a very popular theory in regards to the Traveler itself. Um but yes, so there's there's a few little little tidbits going back and forth, um, and Dino is correcting one of the, oh Dino is pointing out yes the uh, it was the end of the refors when the Calyx Prime was hidden around Anakes I believe I, I believe I might have misspoken and said that it was at the beginning of the refors my apologies there they were trying to rebuild at the end so it makes. Yeah, so there, there, run away type aspect. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's yeah, so collapsing. and so the the interesting thing here for me was that with Calyx, what it, what we see a lot here is Calyx and Varix are very, um, very familiar with each other. They they know each other. Varix has a past history with Thickroll. Or, yeah, Fickrel and Varix. Sorry, I said Calix. Calix too, but Fickrel and Varix are very familiar with each other. They know each other. They they used to be peers, and they actually, in some form, were co-conspirators and almost friends in a few in a few ways. And so, Fickrel has done more than you know, just kind of gone off in the deep end. He's betrayed more than that. He's betrayed not just the Elixni, but he's betrayed Varix's. Varix himself it's a personal betrayal as well uh kind of which kind of explains some of the the um I don't know what the best word for it is um I don't want to say condemnation but like they um shunning yeah he he's just kind of he he's he's got like this deep disappointment for Fickrel because it was a mm. care it was a Fickrel was an Archon Prime, and now he right. is. Now he is not. He doesn't even recognize. Um, Varix doesn't even recognize Fickrel as being Elixni. 
Um, Which in a lot of ways he isn't anymore. Right. No. And he and that will definitely be another point that we'll we'll talk about here when we get into the especially the two cells and the reacquaintance entries have quite a bit to talk about there. Um, but like his, his view of Fickrell, because when he, when he first meets Fickrell or when he first re is reacquainted with him in two cells, uh, he approaches him and he speaks in high elixney, which is like the mm-hmm. tongue, the tongue of like basically the royalty. Cause remember the thing to remember is the elixney were, uh, were very feudal. I mean, that's, you know, it's very easy to see this feudal system of the Elixney here. Um, and he, he approaches Fickerel and he speaks to him in high Elixney and Fickerel's response is basically in English. And right. it's just like, I mean, it's a, it basically to, to this echelon like of individual. In exact. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's a full slap in the face because we also see within, I believe it's, um, uh, it's uh, Job Undone. Uh, Job Undone. We get introduced to a character known as Grox, who is a who who's like this. I I, I kind of like Grox. He's a bounty hunter, but he's like a. I want to think. I I get a picture that he's a vandal, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, he is a fallen, and the reason one of the one of the callouts in that entry from Varix is that the only reason that Varix deals with him is that he speaks Elixney. He like he still knows how to speak Elixney. Um and and that to Varix is very important. Like that's that's you know, keeping with the ideals of what he sees as the Elixney, not as the fallen. Um right. and yeah, and chat, you know, is making a comment about he uh Fickrell's betrayal wasn't just of, you know, his friend, it was the betrayal of his ideals. It was betrayal of what they stood for before the whirlwind occurred. You know, they, they had survived the edge wars. They, they, the edge wars, excuse me, the edge wars were a, a violent civil war that the Elixney were involved with prior to the travelers showing up. So the travelers showed up much similar to our own, or like humanity's own golden age. The, the travelers shows up to the Elixney home planet, wherever that is, we don't really know. And actually brings to a close these these things called the Edge Wars. Uh, all we know about them is that they're violent civil wars that were just like, I mean, just atrocious uh, events. And that kind of ushers in the Golden Age, which is ushering in peace, a more stable system of political nature. Um, you know, I'm assuming that there was probably something with resources given their reliance on ether. Um, and, and so... You know, Fickrell and Varix, uh, Craxus, which we'll talk about a little bit here, who's the Kell of uh, Kings, who was who's confirmed as being dead, um, you know, or not confirmed, but Varix learns of his death, were kind mm-hmm. of the last standing figures from pre-Whirlwind Elixney. And so when, when Varix sees Fickrell, he already knows Craxus is dead. Crax, I think, is dead. And so there's one per that's the last Kel from before the whirlwind. And now he's seeing Fickrell, who's the kind of the last prime Archon from before the whirlwind. They've all fallen away. Varix is the only one. Yeah. Thank you. Dino Krask. Um, Varix is the only one from that particular echelon, again, that echelon, that cast within the society Varix is now the only one really that is still around that keeps to the old ways. 
And that that weighs pretty heavily on him, as we see within uh, the uh, where loyalty lies, the last entry. It kind of is where that that catalyst for the decision that he makes at the end of this this particular lore booklet. That's where that comes from. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of a large buildup into getting into the uh, the most loyal uh, lore booklet. Uh, and I don't know, Green, if you wanted to. I don't know if I I left anything out or if I misspoke on anything else. Dino's done. Dino, thank you uh, for keeping me honest. Dino's running live chat, keeping me honest mm-hmm. here. I appreciate mm-hmm. it so much. Thank you so so totally. much, Dino, so much. Um, I don't know if I missed anything on on Calix, but again, Calix is uh, is very important. Calix is very 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 important, and then. Uh, Calyx and Orbit, like all the primes are obviously important, but Calyx was, I, I almost, I almost get the feeling that Calyx was like the prime of primes, which if that is the, so that's just headcanon just to be clear. But if that is the case, if that is the case, Calyx, like House of Wolves taking Calyx, if that's the case, gives them a huge political boost. Um, right. And so there's there's a lot of political ramifications for that particular thing, too. And that's I mean, the fallen and the Elixni political structure for me is really a really interesting thing. I could spend hours just chatting about that for sure. Um, uh, and yes, sorry. So chat actually trigger has a really good question. Is Varix an old individual? Yes. Varix is very old. Yes. Varix. We we have confirmation here that Varix was actually present for the whirlwind. He was, he saw the, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. He's, he was literally there. He watched the traveler disappear. Um, right. And him and Fickrell, uh, and I believe Krask, Krask was at, Krask is almost actually kind of hinted to be older because Krask was actually present during the edge wars. Um, I don't know if Varix was present during the edge wars. I get the feeling that he was, but I, I can't really put my finger on that particular piece. Um, but Krask was uh, House of Kings and House of Judgment were kind of the the ending of the Edge Wars, along with the arrival of the Traveler. Uh, they, that's kind of how Judgment and Kings kind of got to the prominence that they were in during the Lixney Golden Age. Is what it kind of seems. Um, that also gives us some more information about the Fallen um, lifespan. Yes, and so much is that they are a much older race than I mean they've been an old race this whole time, but the fact that their longevity each each and of themselves that that's new information. I don't think we ever had any real information about how long each of these fallen would live for if given the chance. Well and I think that also ties into the consumption of ether. Right. I think ether oh, is uh God longevity. that card is so sad. Just knowing how little ether they're giving. Oh, uh, the less is more card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where where you actually see some tenderness between Varix and Petra, which I, I, I love that card Petra because likes, of that. Yeah, Petra um, likes him. And Varix likes Petra. He just doesn't think that she's a good leader. Like, right. Which, which I don't think Petra would argue with. Petra is not right. a leader. She's a, she's a warrior. Who... Who he thinks is a good leader makes me cringe slightly. I mean, I understand why, but at the same time, it's like oh. right, right, yeah. 
Um, but let's let's jump into let's jump into that. You know, let's let's look at this this particular set of entries. Uh, again, huge shout out to Bungie. I know Dino will be keeping us honest in chat, but thank you again to Bungie for giving us a semblance of order. I, I'm absolutely loving this hmm. easy easy uh, topic segregation within the entries. Yes. Um, so basically, uh, just real quick before I hand it over to Green to kind of kind of go through the entries um real quick summary of summary of most loyal basically what this is is it's a summary of events following the taken war as seen by Varix, uh with special focus on the imprisonment of the barons and aldrin uh this is actually it, it kind of it starts off being a really gen- general like time frame and then the like I think it's about the second or third entry into it. Uh, it zeroes in on a very short period of time, so it goes from mm-hmm. being a really big summary, and then all of a sudden you're you're kind of seeing a, a, a almost a moment by moment recall of a particular moment leading up to the beginning of Forsaken. Um, and so basically what this is doing is this is serving as an explanation of what is going on as far as the setup for the Forsaken campaign from the perspective of explaining the reason for, for our, our guardians involvement, um, and well, and the guardians of the city in general. Uh, so the note that I actually wanted to make here as well is that we are giving a number of pieces of confirmation here. Uh, first off, Mm -hmm. we do get just Old facely confirmed that you know everyone's theory that Varix was Green Raven. Yeah, that's confirmed. Like Varix is the Green Raven that has been trying to contact the city since Rise of Iron. Uh, that's called out in the almost one of the first things that gets confirmed. The yes, other thing it's in that the very first card. Yeah, and the other thing that we also get confirmation is that the Baron. It kind of gives us the timeline for the Baron's rise. We get told that the barons rose to power shortly following the events of the Taken War, which explains the drop, which actually, this is the reason why I'm sorry to kind of drive a tangent on my own self. Um, this is in lore explains why the reef disappears from game in Destiny 1 during Rise mm-hmm. of Iron. This is actually, a, I love this. It is an in-game explanation of why we don't see a lot of involvement from the Awoken and the Reef during that time. Because what's going on is they're dealing with everything. Just It's just they're, they're dealing with so much. And so the Barons kind of go off and they start just completely taking over because the Awoken have been decimated basically from uh, the Dreadnoughts attack. And Mara's gone. Their leadership is in shambles. You know, there's there's a lot of conflict going on there. So the barons take a take the opportunity and start rising in power. Um, and so basically, up until that, and up until a, an unknown point in time, they're they're just running rant. They have no they have no ta- they have a uh, no um uh god man curbing influence like there's nothing there to stop them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we see cade and what was called cade six which were i i get the feeling it's just six chosen it's guardians. like a raid team yeah. yeah we don't know who they were they, there's no confirmation of identity on any of these but basically cade and his six come in and actually end up capturing the majority of the barons and then supposedly killing fickrel uh, Cade actually golden guns Fickrel, I think in the chest or in the, like, I think he, he, like, I think he made a comment about it. he shot him like dead center. Um, and this kind of ties into the Forsaken Prince lore booklet, uh, specifically to Fanatic part two. 
Uh, Fanatic Part 2 is where Aldrin actually cross cross paths with Fickrel and resurrects Fickrel, basically, using Corrupted Ether, which, to kind of tie that back into the Lost Lore section, invalidates the claim that Fickrel is the cause of the uh, uh, Chimeras, because if... Because basically what Varix is saying to Fitkroll is, you know, he's like, hey, you have a corrupted version of Ether. You have corrupted Ether going on here. Did you betray Calyx? And then that was the source of this corrupted Ether. Well, we, we as readers of the lore know that the source of the corrupted Ether that Fickrel has within him is actually Aldrin and then um, Riven in a way uh, because of what is going on with Aldrin. Aldrin is the source of the corrupted ether that then Fickrel uses to create the scorn. And, you know, that whole pyramid scheme goes rampant and rabid. But so that kind of invalidates Varric's theory here of Fickrel being the, the uh, a further betrayer of Calyx as that one. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of a, a, a really big, uh, really big summary, I guess, of the overall entry. I don't know. Um, I don't know if uh, green, I don't know where you want to go from there. I'm going to hand it I, over to you. I think some of the, some of the cards are worth reading in so much that so many of the things that you're talking about are verified. Um, I would almost say splinter splinter of bone, which is the very first card in the book is one that we probably should go over as far as reading it. Are you okay with that? Or? Yeah, no, definitely. Go for it. Go for it. Just because yeah. it has the confirmation about Green Raven. Do you want to do the thing? What does the text say? So this is Splinter of Bone. Deep in the heart of the Prison of Elders, Variks of House Judgment clutched a splinter of bone as he watched the solar system burn. The facility had been outfitted over the years with massive sensor grids slaved to arrays spread across the reef. They gave him a detailed analysis of the Red Legion's fury. The light from the monitors was the only illumination in the room as his arms flew across the controls, relaying warnings to Petra and the Awoken. He could only see he could already see the remainder of the Awoken fleet disappearing off his scopes, going into hiding. Relaying warnings to the city, though he could see he was far too late. Their comms were gone. There was no one left to listen. Relaying warnings to his people. With the end of the houses, there were so few who would listen. But if he could save even a handful. While his hands worked, his eyes remained fixed on the screens, watching death, destruction, and horror. In his role working with the guardians of the city, he pored over the distress signals from the Detalian... Exodus 6, Source Green Raven, had sent bursts of analysis to the tower at least a dozen times since the days of the Taken War, but he never expected numbers of this magnitude. With the systems of the last city offline, he had no problem dialing sensors over the wall. He'd been able to see with clarity in the, the home of humanity with a resolution where he could make out parks and lakes and marketplaces. These same sensors let him watch grinding the bone in his mechanical fist as people died, as the great machine was yoked and the guardians fell. Scrambling, he alerted the crows, but something went wrong. The network had fallen dark. Each and every crow offline, all, 
that is, save for one. Through a garbled image, he saw a hand, an awoken hand, but it almost immediately felt ecstatic. He wanted to care. He wanted to feel something for them. What dominated his thoughts, though, what made a ticking noise emanate deep in his voice synth, was the growing fear that the queen's plan had failed. He sat back in his chair, thinking. The prison of elders orbited far enough away from the core awoken outpost, and thus far enough away from the cabal's phalanx, that it might come out of this unscathed. Nonetheless, he initiated lockdown procedures, prepared for the worst. A calm ping, confirmation, Petrovenge and the limited forces at her command evacuated what settlements they could and disappeared into the nooks and crannies of the reef. She would be unable to send help to the prison. First House Judgment, then House Wolves, then Kel Marasov. Now he could feel the rest of his adopted people slipping away from him. With one of his mechanical arms, he crushed the splinter of bone to dust. So this card gives us that confirmation that, yes, Variks has been the one basically giving us information about the cabal on their way, but he didn't know how much was going to happen as quickly as it did. He didn't see that much of the Red Legion coming. It also shows how integral that his position in the prison of elders, even though he's the warden there, he still has his fingers in everything going on throughout the system. Albeit just kind of a lot. What's the best way to put it? He's not, He's a spider on a web. Yeah, he's a, he's the spider. That's a good way to put it. He's like the little spy master type thing. And his crows, oh, the crow, that whole scene with um, what we can assume is likely Aldrin taking yeah. out one of the crows. Yeah. At least it's heavily hinted at it being Aldrin. Yeah. Varix is, you can tell here that he's, kind of a little heartbroken at the whole fact of the Awoken being taken out. He actually likes the Guardians. He enjoyed working with them, is what it sounds like, or at least it was a beneficial arrangement for the two of them. And now he's he's seeing everything fall away again. It's a good first card. So less is more is the next card. And we get to see kind of the scorn coming into the prison of elders he watch he watches petra march their latest prize into the cell block and excuse the dogs in the background we have guests tonight puppy guests so there might be more of that i'm sorry uh but you get a kind of an image of varix and his duties a little bit and has his distaste for the scorn mm-hmm. he's he really, really doesn't like it. And this is kind of the sad card I was talking about earlier where you learned that Varric's, his sustenance still comes from Ether, and the Awoken control how much Ether he gets. And Petra says, uh, what does she say? Might uh, want to up, up your up rations. Your rations yeah. You're looking a bit gaunt. Which is real sad. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for Varric. He's being <laughs> kind of I don't think he's being starved necessarily. But. No, and I, I kind of argue, I don't think it's, I mean, like, I'm not I'm not going to fully say 
that I disagree, but I think it's more, um, I think it's more the elixni themselves or the fallen themselves are rationing their ether. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an external, um, ration. Like, I don't think it's an external sort. Like, I don't think the Awoken are like, no, you only get X amount today. Right. I think it's, I think it's actually a self rationing because they, they're, um, their servitors are being destroyed uh That's if you remember true. if you remember what the the barons are doing they're ripping the servitors apart so as their servitors are destroyed their ability to extract ether is being kind of taken away so they only have the the um the tanks i guess of it that they have and so mm-hmm. you know again cuz these this is to kind of throw back also for the fallen remember they've traveled between galaxies they they've gone through the long dark and you know they've they've had to ration themselves before they know how to do it um and i think that's kind of where at least that that was the feeling i got from it yeah because i I can definitely see that end i think because sorry yeah otherwise it seems rather heartless disturbing yeah, yeah. disturbing <laughs> his his uh his band on his arm that he has to wear when he's in the uh the never mind i'm not following that one anymore anyways mm-hmm. um yeah i i kind of the ending of that particular card is kind of where i kind of get the sense that it's more of um him imposing it because he says like all right. his kind since the appearance of the red legion he had been forced to ration his intake right the other thing we learned from this card, what you mentioned beforehand, is his um, how he favors Petra. Yeah, I, I love his... I love this. Like I love this because up until now, yeah. it kind of hasn't been blatantly said. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of like inferred in between the lines, but this part, just like this particular one, just fully calls it out. Uh, where let's see. It's right. It's he right wa- before the ration. Um, yeah, he he, he watched her smiled. go, or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, sorry. He watched her go. If his anatomy allowed for it, he would have smiled in kind. Hers was a heart always in the right place, even if the outcome of her decisions was less than ideal. She did not, however, fully appreciate the threat that these scorned barons posed. He had tried to warn her when they were just seven dregs and a heretical archon. Now their terror was spreading through the reef with more and more fallen answering the barons' anarch- anarchistic call. She was right yes. about one thing, though. He could stand to increase his intake. The thought of it made Varric thirsty for the flow. Like all of his kind since the appearance of the Red Legion, he had, all, he had been forced to ration his intake. He never felt so weak, so close to death. But he would survive as he always had. Varric knew the time would inevitably come when he would have to survive on his own. And uh, prior to that, he mentions that he missed the uh, the strength of Mara. Um, yeah, because he says he only his oh, Kel. yeah the only a true yeah, yeah he says only a true Kel understood that survival was not a game of waiting, and Petrovinge, for all her military prowess, was no Kel. Yeah, well, the next I like card. that last line though. Yeah, the, the last line about it. About having to survive on his own. Oh yeah, There's that that comes back. Writing. That'll come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that gets that gets mentioned a couple times. So, and yeah, Justin, you want to take roll call? Well, real quick before that, uh, Dino actually has said something I want to kind of call out too. Is I kind of feel bad for Petra at this point because if Varix really does go on to become a problem. 
this will now be the second really close relationship of Petra or third actually geez third Mm -hmm. really close relationship with Petra's that has betrayed their people it was I mean well and Mara Mara didn't really betray Mara just up and vanished with the catabasis but like Aldrin they were I mean like you get with uh two cells and I think it's two cells you get Mm -hmm. a sense of just how heartbroken Petra is and um over Aldrin, and then if Varix also goes, I guess I, I don't know, goes dark or goes the dark side or whatever you want to say, however you want to say that. Um, I I just I I worry Petra is just, you know, she she is she is very invested in those individuals, and I don't know if I don't know how she will handle it. I'll be interested to see how that works out. She may never trust again. Dun dun dun. <laughs> uh, but yes, roll call. Roll call. Um, okay. After the Taken War, the scorned barons banded together in a time of weakness to become strong, to prey on anyone and anything that practiced the old Elixir ways. They began the one thing their people needed to survive ether. In a way, the barons have become heads of a new house, priests in their own rights, and arbiters of their own trials. The terror they unleashed had almost grown as powerful as any kill. These heathens were not Elixni. They were more fallen than any of their brethren. They were everything judgment had sought to purge before the whirlwind, and now they sat rotting deep in the prison of elders. Cade and his six had done good by the word. Varix's staff tapped lightly on the floor plates, and chuckling noises emanated from his throat. He hobbled past their cells as the servitors hummed to life. Feeding time. He saw hatred in every cell he passed. Bathed in light of flowing ether, their eyes carved in his flesh, saw him docked a thousand times more. Yavix, the rider, the untamed. She and her crew spread terror and disease with their noxious pikes. Elkris, the machinist, she used stolen stolen cabal telemetry and gravity traps to sabotage vessels, relieve them of their cargo, and haul the hulks back to their own shipyard chop shops. Pyrrha, the blind, the ghost of Hellrise Cavern, who hunted the Baron's territory with phantom decoys and ended all trespassers from the shadows. Rexus Vaughn, the Godslayer, the Hangman. He had secreted away the ether stores of his victims and driven the barons and their followers into a frenzy with that tainted feast. Araxes, the wit, the traitor, the trickster, a mastermind, a liar, thief, and backstabber. Canix, Two Finger, the Mad Bomber. The dangers of the reef had multiplied a hundredfold with his mines hidden on every rock and dusty corner of the belt. And the most disgusting of them all? Eryx, the mind bender. This one found in a hive. This one found in the hive a way to infect the minds of the Elixni. Only one was missing. Fickrel, the heretic, the fanatic. One Varix once dared to call a friend back when the Archon tended to Calix Primes. Before his betrayal, he hoped the fanatic was dead. Cade assured that it was. 
And what was Cade six, if not reliable? Laughing, burbling to himself, Varric shut off the lights in the hallway, and the barons were plunged into once again darkness. Pooh! little hubris happened in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Varric's getting a little cocky. <laughs> well, I mean, my, it, my it, helps, is, it helps. It helps that all of the people are in in cells. Well, my my question repeatedly is, what is the value given to keeping these beings alive? But okay, whatever. <laughs> well, and that's kind of uh, you'll see that part of Varix's duties um, within the prison is passing judgment. Which translates yeah. in other in other languages, it translates into doing experiments, um, because I think that was I, I believe that was actually earlier. Uh, Green uh, Splinter Bone, I think, was when it mentioned that he was uh, spreading the information. Yes, that he had like helped get from the Taken mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yes, he was. Yes, he was. And then also, he's also, uh, we'll see here in a second when, um, so not not the next couple, but when it gets to two cells, which is where he kind of meets up with Fickrell again, this is where he starts seeing, uh, we, well, we start seeing, excuse me, we start seeing that he's actually trying to figure out what this, what this ether is doing. Like he's he's trying to figure out what where where this ether is coming from, and Fickrell kind of reinvent. I mean, Fickrell basically blows up servitors that are trying to extract ether from him, and he's trying to figure out how to reverse engineer the corruption. Uh, so he's he's not, and it's not just like nefarious experimentation. He's trying to legitimately save his people, mm-hmm. uh, as as far as these barons are going. He's trying to understand them in in order to pass judgment on them. That is also definitely what Job Undone is, or at least it kind of continues that thought. Right, yeah. Okay, sorry, yes. Uh, So Job Undone is the next card afterwards, and it definitely... Varix is, for lack of a better term, is pissed. Um, (laughs) He's... He's just so angry about everything going on, about not being able to really help. Because the barons are just wrecking havoc on everybody. And the line, his goal had always has, had always ever been a simple one. The banner of house judgment, the calling to which he had been born, keep his people together. Everything's falling apart. And with the light now steaming across the system and nothing to show for it, no queen, no heiress, no Osiris, and no sign of the great machine remembered the elixir. What was there to look forward to? Base survival, one day after the other, living just because he still drew breath. And where was the dreg strength in that? And Petra burst in. Petra's, they've got more prisoners Legion Harvest, uh, Legion Harvester had been intercepted, bearing 189 captured. Uh, 189 captured teams are inbound survivors in the area. He's taking in more prisoners. And 
you kind of see kind of this disgruntled aspect of it. And it's, it's starting to see how thinly Varix is able to kind of cope with everything going on. Like he's doing his job, but that's all he, like he's that disgruntled worker. He is doing his job. And then you find out at the end that Cade kind of sort of failed Cade and his six with Fickrel. Hmm. But Fickrel survived Cade and his six. Grox was a lot of things, but he was not a liar. If Fickrel was alive and strong enough to kill Prask, and who was this awoken vagabond of which Grox spoke? His mind reeled. So long as Fickrel lived, the reef was not safe. He scrambled through his calm channels, searching for the right connection. Master Cade, Varric's request to meet you regarding your deal with Petra, a job undone. So, Varric is still trying desperately to hold everything together and make sure that these barons can't take over the reef, even though they're pretty much at the point where they've kind of done that. Or at least they're gaining such a foothold that Varric is super upset about the whole thing. Do you have anything to say about this card? Uh, no, uh, call, uh, just a note to Grox and Krask, which are the two names mm-hmm. here. Grox is the bounty hunter that he, uh, he says he spoke in a low form of Elixney, the only reason Varric's employed him. Um, so again, kind of a, a nod to Varric's, you know, keeping with the, um, you know, trying to, trying to save his people. Uh, and mm-hmm. then Krask is the Kell of Kings. Uh, yes. So he was the one that in, uh, I believe it was the Forsaken Prince, uh, we see Fickrel and Aldrin tortured to death, Take basically. Out. Yeah. It's a very rough, very rough card um, or entry to read. But yeah, so so that was, those are the two names in there. Um we we get a couple nicknames for Varix from Grox that I kind of oh god it's yeah. so funny like oh my gosh Grox just I love him I I just I love him um but yeah so Grox Grox kind of confirms everything uh, and then I think the other thing here too is kind of the frustration Varix has about the Great Machine especially like the Traveler is just like the complete disregard and just disheartening lack of anything happening when the light was reawakened and you know he's like you know you he he they feel it wash over the system and nothing like i just the frustration has to be immense for him yeah gosh you really okay the thing that i've gotten out of this book after reading this is just i i did not like barracks as a character Partially because I just didn't, I didn't like the vocal fry, which as a voice teacher, that still drives me crazy, even though I will jokingly actually do the vocal fry myself whenever when I do barrack stuff. But this book makes me definitely feel a lot more for barracks and his str- struggles, because like the next card, some kind of luck. Apparently wearing house judgment sigil is a death sentence in the Tangled Shore. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, think about it, too. I mean, he's a he's the warden of the prison that most of the people, the, the thieves landing, 
it's called right. Thieves Landing. Like, you know, <laughs> it would be like a, a it would be like a, a law and a, you know, law officer off duty going into the middle of a, a giant gangland yeah. where wearing, you know, you know, I can't I, I, I don't even but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 just basically teasing people to challenge you know it's just like hey Mm -hmm. look i'm the person who punishes all your all your friends and if you came here i'd probably kill you too you know and so to to a degree i get it but i also see exactly what you're saying is he's got to be so careful about what he does where he goes i mean the life of a spy master is not all that fun when you get to the daily grind of what's going on that and being the warden and just having a crosshair on your back essentially the whole time while you're moving around. Well, and then not being able to also, leave. Like, he can't and, leave the prison because if he does, he gets a bigger right. crosshair painted on him. And it's not like he's unrecognizable because he has his metal arms. I mean, he's kind of SOL when it comes up to yeah, being yeah. able to go anywhere in the universe that is not the prison. The fact that he can leave the prison and not get killed is actually something of an impressive right. amount of, of sneaking ability on his on his part. Mm-hmm. But he visits the spider in this card. and Oh, he visits the spider's palace. Yes. Uh, and he, he sees Cade. Mm-hmm. And, gives, had, and gives him... Uh, and gives him uh, Justin's favorite weapon, the spiky <laughs> potato. Oh, oh yeah, oh spiky oh, potato! How useless you are, spiky potato! I got killed by that thing quite a bit recently in Crucible. It's better than it it's used ma- to be in D one. That's maximum disrespect, right there. That's what that is. <laughs> Wow, you're calling me out on my PvP skills right now in the middle of show. <laughs> I mean, I got called out on Twitter the other day because somebody posted a screenshot with my KD being a 0.7 because I was having a <laughs> round. I'm like, I have a 10 KD photo further back. Just scroll up. That's like I got killed with cold heart one time in, in Crystal oh, yeah. Eyes. Like, uh-huh. oh, I'm bad. Oh, I'm Justin. Bad. Justin, new gun. Wave splitter. It's actually like cold heart, but actually hurts people. It doesn't just tickle them. It splits the difference. It splits the difference. It splits the wave. Anyway. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, this is the meeting between Kate and and Varix. Kate doesn't seem... Kate's an a hole. Like I mean, this yeah. is, this is I'm, I'm sorry. I like I like I I appreciate Kate's character, but this shows Kate's character from like How? a non sympathetic point of view, yes. and he is just and he's just a butt. Like <laughs> there's no way to like it's just oh my god. Like it's I don't just, like what you're. I don't like what you're insinuating. I he's mean, also he's, he's also nice like here. no he's not and he's like he's so easy to, he's so easily bribed is the other thing that's just stupidly crazy like oh my gosh it's just it's kind of funny Varix is trying to explain to him like he's got all this information and Cade doesn't believe him that Fickrell's still around Cade's like <laughs> trust me he's dead I put a hot one right through here and he points to the center of uh, Varix's chest <laughs> 
And of course, Varys mentions Tanex, and Cade gets oh, all god. pissy about that. Oh my god! Because <laughs> oh my god, Cade. Which like, I love. Really I love Varys a little that. bit for. I love Varys a little bit for that. Like he's just like poke twist, poke twist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Varys asks for him to take him to Zavala, and Cade is having none of it at all. And it's just, he gives him the gun and Cade's like, all right, you can ride with me. Because Cade's easily bribed, apparently, with a gun. <sighs> well, and, and it's also a rare gun. Um, right. There's not many left. Which, interestingly, so interestingly enough, um, I don't know if this, I, I'm not sure that this was the intent. But, like, this makes me think of Cade's story about the fallen captain on the moon and how he used her uh Mm -hmm. pistol and then you Mm -hmm. know it ran out and so he he dropped it he left it or whatever um or no he he really he wants it back kind of thing well yeah it's kind of like maybe i don't know i i just that's the feeling i got i have no like literal like hard connection there but that's definitely the feeling that i got when he when he kind of dropped it because it was like i'm like oh whatever but yeah, it was just that was the connection that my 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 mind immediately jumped to on that one. Yeah, totally. Uh, the next card still makes me not really appreciate Zavala because overestimation. Varric's actually views Zavala as a good leader in comparison to Petra, which I agree with. Zavala is a way better commander than Petra is because Petra is not meant to be a commander. That's not her yeah. her role. She's just there by absence of everybody else. That and she was she was meant to be a, a like a small strike force leader. She's great mil- yeah. with her military might, but she was not meant to organize giant fleets. She and was she the killed knife. all the guardians. That was Aldrin, but yeah, she made the call on it. <laughs> Aldrin was the one who pulled the trigger, but she told him to. Gosh. All back D1 issues. Anyway, um, Overestimation is the name of the next card. And Varix gets introduced to Conven- Commander Zavala. Um, he drops to his knees in front of him and extends his hands palm up on the ground, sure to keep eye contact. And apparently this is a judgment ge- a gesture from House Judgment meant to acknowledge that a dominant force was present. So he was actually, if Zavala would have known the actual, the cultural differences between everything, he would have seen that. Obviously he doesn't because most of the time, there's not a whole lot of time given to a fallen to explain himself before he gets a bullet in his head. But Cade snickered behind him. Still acting kind of like a jerk face, but uh, Varix basically starts to plead with Zavala about coming and helping the Reef. And this, we find out, takes place after Petra had already gone and visited Zavala, and Zavala turned Petra down because Zavala was going to take care of this last city and rebuild and everything. And 
Petra had already pleaded to let the Guardians come out and everything, and didn't happen. So Varix is there now pleading, and Zavala basically says the same thing. I made my offer to Petra after the war. She made her choice. Are you saying something has changed? I say this, Commander. And I have so much to say to a true leader such as you. So, Varix is going to talk to Zavala about this and try to get some some more help. Since yeah. Petra has not been the most diplomatic. But... I love... I love the line where Varric says he can see where Zavala's strength ended and his anxiety began. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect synopsis of Zavala. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it is. Blue, do you have anything for Unknown Space or Justin? Unknown or? Space. Oh, my gosh. Unknown Space. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I- but I am still trying to decipher it. I'll be one hundred percent honest. Um, like I, there's so much to unpack with unknown space. It's kind uh, of like a look into his brain, but also well, it's a dream. It's terrifying. like you know, it's yeah. like it's his, it's him dreaming. Um, I, 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 I love it. I love it. But it's just. Um, there's a lot of confirmation. Uh, so this is where we get uh, his memories of the whirlwind, uh, the fall of the elders, which is, uh, you know, again, prison of the elders, the elders challenge or challenge of the elders. This kind of reference the elders. Um, this is a mention of those those particular people, uh, the pillaging of the house, you know, like, you know, the the idea that judgment apparently did not wear armor. They wore robes, which was a very which is very interesting to me. Um, it kind of gives a, a sense of their placement within the society of the Elixni. Um, and then it just I mean, it's kind of like a bullet point touch by touch or a bullet point listing of touch points from the whirlwind to the present for Varix. And it's it's just it's really kind of I don't know. I, I, I like it, but I also really want to know which one of the nine apparently he's chatting with because Jesus they like yelling a lot is what I kind of, and that's a complete head cannon, but you know, it's like the only other time that I really remember dialogue being total, you know, caps locked is with the nine. Um, though I don't know if that's supposed to be that, or if it's just supposed to be like a, you know, if that's supposed to be his conscience or whatever, you know, cause again, this is kind of a, a dream state for him. Um, he's judging himself. Basically he, he says he could sense judgment turned inward. Um, but yeah, no, it just, Oh my gosh. Like for you, the great machine is a dark mirror. Huh? Who else has said the the traveler is a dark mirror? I <laughs> uh, just, yeah. <laughs> Chat. He's talking to the yelly one. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. It's, it's so true. That's honestly the first thing I thought. Um, yeah. And then like the, uh, and so yeah, then he, he, he gets woken up by basically, um, the return of Kate and Petra. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much my really brief synopsis of this one is it's awesome. Um, I really encourage if you haven't read it, you definitely give it a read because it's, it's a, it's just got a lot of really cool little tidbits in it. I believe two cells is the next one, which is 
going to be a fun one. Uh, so basically, this is uh, the kind of introduction of Fickrel and Aldrin back into the story of Varix here. Um, it's so oh god. This is this is a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Um, yeah. You you get the sense of uh, the tension between Fickrel and Varix. You definitely get that. Um, you also get, again, Cade being kind of a, yeah, it's, yeah, he's just, I I don't like, he's just, he's trying to make jokes and it's just, he's just, he comes across very narcissistic is basically what it is. Um, and so basically, basically two cells is really, is really mostly about them getting brought into the prison. Um, and so what happens is fix, what, go for it, go for it. I was just going to say that the thing that you start to see is how unsettled Varys is by Aldrin being brought into the prison. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's it's uh it's rough. Uh so so basically this is the the uh, processing of new prisoners is what this one is. Um uh it's it's which is kind of a curious point here is what they do to the um what they do to Fickrel. Uh they actually hook him up to servitors that are specialized for extraction. And what this is is extraction servitors are basically you they get hooked up to the elixni and actually pull the ether from the elixni. Which is really kind of intriguing to me because we've only ever really thought about it as, you know, they consume it. Like, so apparently that process is reversible, which is mm-hmm. kind of, it's just, that's, that to me is kind of crazy to think about. Um, which, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't, I never even thought about it like that. Um, and I, it's kind of a, it was just an interesting, uh, mental picture really um, which is important so keep in mind Fickrel's getting hooked up to extraction servitors in this one and then we jump into reacquaintance so two cells and reacquaintance are really kind of back to back like immediately back to back and reacquaintance is more definitely more along the lines of um, Varix's response to Aldrin being here uh, and and then you also see Petra's response to Aldrin being here. Uh, Petra recognizes uh, that something's wrong with him, uh, you know, and this is where Petra gives the order to lock down the entire cell block uh, that, you know, and, and basically she tells Varix that as far as the system is concerned, Aldrin soft died over, over Saturn. Um, and like, I just love how Varix like looks at Cade and Cade's like, I don't, don't look at me. Like, he's like, <laughs> I think Cade's like basic way of saying bye is, Hey, if Fickerel ever comes up to the arena, let me know because I have a conversation to finish with him. He, so it's, it's interesting there. Um, God, man. Yeah. Uh, reacquaintance is a rough one too. Though I do like Cade's reference to Aldrin as Prince Whiny Face. <laughs> Which is great. It's just great. Um, but this is also where um, 
he you you kind of see the tenderness of Varix. You know, like Varix has always kind of been that standoffish figure, and at the end of Reacquaintance, you know, the uh, he he acknowledges like the easiness uh, between Petra and Aldrin. You know, they they he says when the two of them joined forces on the field of battle, they were quick, effective, and dangerous. Theirs was a dance of death and woe to the foe who made, met them in open combat. Um. And so then he he basically goes to to process Aldrin, and he he's you know he's just kind of like he recognizes that Aldrin is that there is something wrong with Aldrin. Um, though Petra does warn him that she she says uh, if he speaks don't listen he speaks lies terrible lies. Um, and this is also where we get the uh, the mention of. Aldrin's eyes, the shadow, like the that darkness yeah. is going on in there, um, and then and then that then goes, and so this is where again I kind of mentioned at the very beginning, like it starts picking up pace. So revolution is the next step, and revolution is right there, right back to back to uh, reacquaintance, and this is revolution is where uh, the servitors remember servers have been plugged into thickroll to extract the ether well those servers explode like just straight up explode um so like he, he's trying to figure out what's going on and all this stuff uh and then he basically finds out that thickroll uh and thickroll actually starts making fun of varix uh and <clears throat> this is where varix finds the corrupted ether and he said, it says that it was darker, tainted with something he could not identify. He tightened the seals on his, of his mask as he examined the servitor's remains, fearing whatever they pulled from Thickroll could be toxic. He moved through the fog-like gas as if it was water. It didn't dissipate at, like traditional ether. It lingered, heavy and opaque. And this is where, again, uh, we had mentioned it earlier as well. This is where he approaches Thickroll and he uses high speak. And not just high speak of Elixney, he uses the high speak of judgment which is basically kind of like his, you know, his house's royal tongue to Fickrell's, you know, and, and basically he's saying he's hoping that Fickrell, you know, given everything that Fickrell has done, he's hoping that Fickrell might just, just, you know, some part of him might respect one of the oldest laws here. And mm-hmm. he, and this is where, you know, Green had mentioned he gets this slap across the face because Fickrell just speaks back as the houseless, what's called the houseless. Um, this is also where Varix accuses him of uh, uh, giving Calix to the Taken. Um, and uh, Fickrell, Fickrell rightfully here, actually, because again, we know information here that Varix doesn't know. Uh, I kind of am kind of thinking that Fickrell is speaking uh the truth here but uh calyx he says calyx has abandoned us uh and then he acknowledges that fickrel he says fickrel fickrel is no longer enslaved to the machine's ether um so yeah it, it's just and and then off, often and the, or then in addition we get the the acknowledgement of fickrel's view of Aldrin as uh the awoken father who gave him the ability to evolve which is where uh, we go back to Fanatic Part 2, where basically it's through a wish of Aldrin's that Riven empowers him to resurrect Fickrell with that corrupted ether. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And so, yeah, it's it's kind of like, again, this is information that Varix doesn't know, but this kind of confirms that Fickrel did not get the corrupted ether from a betrayal of Calix or Calix necessarily. Like, well, he didn't get corrupted ether from Calix. We don't know if he betrayed Calix, but we know that that's not the source of his corrupted ether. His corrupted ether kind of comes from Riven, it seems. He has evolved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The spark, we learned that Varix is the only one who is allowed, besides Petra, to go down and deal with the barons, like the, the high-end barons, and Aldrin himself. So he has to do all like, the menial tasks, the feeding, the cleaning, all that stuff. And he visits three times a day. That's and... pretty well because she doesn't want anyone knowing about Aldrin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pretty that was much. the order to lock down the entire cell block. Though she's <laughs> she's apparently terrible at keeping secrets. Well, which is which is kind of I mean, it it yeah, yeah it's really funny because like even <laughs> like Varix is like, "Oh my god, what is wrong with you?" He says that she she was less than adept at the art of secrecy and everyone Why? knew it. Why do you think that the queen has never actually told her anything? <laughs> And how she has no idea what is going on when it comes okay, to the plan. You know, she just knows she's in, supposed to follow it. In defense to Petra, Petra's oaths were to be the queen's wrath, not yeah. the queen's yeah. secret keeper or the queen. Like, right. Petra is a military mind through yeah. and through. Like, I mean, I'm sure she that Petra figure out why that knife floats. She doesn't no, I mean, like, I'm sure, happens. I'm sure, like, if it came to like a military campaign or something like that, she can misdirect, probably with one yeah. of the be- with some of the best of them. But like mm-hmm. political, <laughs> political subterfuge and stuff She's is not, not her. No, way. it's not her strength. Gotta con- control the message, or the message will control you. Speaking of controlling the message, this card, you start to see Aldrin's madness. And Varric sees it. Varric well, hears he's, him. He's talking to the to the Mara that's not there. Right. He's, he's talking, talking to, to Riven, Riven at that point. Yeah. Yep. And the it's just so I it plants the seed of doubt in some respects, but at the same time, like Varric knows something is really wrong. But he's still going to pay deference to Aldrin because Aldrin is the brother of the of the quote unquote Kel slash Queen. Oh, he's he still refers to Aldrin as your grace. Right. It's, it's I think automatic. That, yeah. It's yeah. It's it's again it's a, that's he that can't, he uh, can't even help it. Training. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. again, realize how old Varix is. I mean, think of you you think breaking yeah. a habit, you think, you know, think of hard habits for us to break as humans who, you know, it's like Oh, we struggle breaking habits of a couple of years. You're talking about a potential habit of like millennia, potentially. Yeah. Here, I mean, it's 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 ingrained in everything that he does to defer to what he views as you know authority. Um, and actually, I'd argue probably mostly fallen have it in some capacity as well. Right. Hmm. No, it's it's devolved. I think it's it's uh I I like it that he calls um Fickrel houseless a mm-hmm. couple of times 
It's no, like, well, uh, it, it's like, yeah, it's like he's trying. I don't know. I, I could, I took that as like he's trying to shock Vickerel. Like, cause that, that would yeah, be, yeah. that would be an well, insult, like right? A, yeah. That's, that's like a insult of the highest order. Like you're houseless. You're just, you know, riffraff. Like but you're, when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't want to be a part of any house. Yeah. I don't think that's Varys what he doesn't understand. Though. Yeah. He I can't, agree. he can't comprehend something. Someone who doesn't want to be part of the, the house structure. I would agree with that. And this, I don't think he's equipped. The whole last line of um, he is the most loyal oh. type. It's just like, oh God. You the can writing. See, this is where you start seeing Aldrin. Aldrin's like genius kind of shining through. Like, because Aldrin, like, even, even though he's, I mean, absolutely bat. Crazy. insane yeah like even though he's completely insane at this point and seeing things he still is twisting and seducing and corrupting and you know tricking people into doing things that he needs them to do like he's still manipulating people masterfully and it's just oh my gosh and that's the spark right here that's being mentioned is basically Aldrin saying hey Varix, your Kel still is alive where is your true loyalty loyalty lie? Mm-hmm. And it's like just that little seed, you know, just that he's just kind of planting that seed. And I mean, it's just to me, like reading this and like just watching Aldrin, especially these la- the last part of it, watching Aldrin just manipulate the ever living hell out of Varix is just I'm like, I got to give it out. You got to give a, a tip of the hat to Aldrin on that one. Because it's just, it's pretty impressive. Um, I just, yeah, I think that that was more, I think that was more admiration on my part for Aldrin's ability to manipulate things. He's learned something from his sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. He's always been so heavy handed, apparently. And to, yeah, he's always kind of been a jerk face in how he talks to people, but he's actually truly manipulating Right. And, and I mean, see. and you see that Aldrin has really kind of, I mean, he, he's grown since the Maracena, right? I think uh-huh. is what you're, what you're also yes. kind of saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not of, a brawler anymore. He's not, well, he's the, still, he still key. is, he still has the attitude, but he's right. got, he's got better, sure. uh, his, his, uh, weapons have become more refined. Sharper. You see kind of the amount of how much Aldrin gets under Varric's skin in Chain of Souls. Yes, and Chain of Souls also is where you start seeing Varric's um, really actually kind of really cool because Varric's is kind of thinking outside of the box and he's like trying to come up with a way to... Uh, save uh to well to save the scorn but he he's like the way he's doing it is basically trickle filtering ether through like uh a very so the chain of souls that is being referred to here is he's literally chained uh multiple he's basically created a daisy chain of servitors and and the other thing here to note is so remember in less is more how we were talking about varix's rationing out his own ether Mm-hmm. 
he's using his ether to do this. He's using his personal ether to help, um, thick roll, uh, to, to help, uh, dilute the ether. Um, and it's not a, it's not a small amount of his ether reserves. It's 70%. So this mm-hmm. is like over half of his stuff. Um, he's gambling on this. And so, yeah. And, and then, yeah, like you had said, green, it's that seed that was planted in, uh, the spark starts kind of worming its way into his mind. The other thing is you can see that Varric's tried to convince Petra to to work on the prince too, not just the barons, like saying that the prince is sick, right? Which he certainly, certainly is. Like in some of the cards, it talks about um, the prince's eyes going, having that like wash of darkness go across them and everything. Yeah, and. Petra said she shuts it down. She said, you will not experiment on the prince. Yeah. And I mean, like I can see, I don't know. I see both sides of that. Yeah. yeah, I understand why she says no to that, but this is right after that. um, Petra glowered. I will handle Aldrin. You will not touch him. She turned sharply on her heel and strode out. Varric's hadn't seen her since. And then he kind of went on to that, but he, Varric's kind of, Stings her a little bit. Petra the loyal, he sneered. Perhaps the murmurs of Kamala Rior are true. Yes. Which Kamala is the one who essentially is calling Petra out on being like not necessarily being a real leader for them and shouldn't necessarily be the leader of the Awoken in Mara's absence. <laughs> Which we all know Which, how that ends. Right. We do. But. Dang, Varix is just kind of calling her out. No pun intended, but bit. Kamala ends up eating crow. Right. <laughs> yeah, there he is. There he is. I thought that would bring him back. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so many places to go with that. Oh, um, God. Crazy. <laughs> what? Crazy. Uh, yes. Continue, Green. But yeah, uh, Varix is Varix wants to help him, not necessarily keep him hidden away or anything like that. The prince being hidden away from the awoken people is really bothering him, and so he wants to fix it. And that leads us to our last card. Oh my the gosh, evening. the card that <laughs> the card the sh- that breaks everything, the, the shot that was heard around the reef, basically. Oh my God. Blue or Justin read this one. It's longer, but I I think it's very reading. I'll read it. So hang on. What does the text say? So this is where loyalty lies. Thanks, thanks, Justin. Um, Varric's (laughs) (laughs) Varric's experiment succeeded, but not how he expected. Ingestion of the etheric concoction still resulted in fallen death. It was not by any means a life-sustaining substance. It was, however, a life-giving substance. Though the dark ether lingered like a heavy fog, it also seemed to reach out toward empty vessels. In this case, it found the dead dregs that littered his floor. It slipped inside the corpses like a slow inhalation, inflating them, stretching them to the point of boils and bursting, pulling them to their feet. The dark ether gave these lifeless dregs new life. 
They seethed. Their breathing was steady but hard and fast. They rumbled as if volcanoes lived inside their chest. A black fire rose from their skin as they burned this dark ether like a jet engine burns its fuel. What Varix really saw before him was hate-fueled rage incarnate and the beginning of another whirlwind. They were no longer just fallen. Fickrel called them his scorn. Behind him, Fickrel laughed and laughed and laughed until he abruptly stopped. At that exact moment, the scorn dropped to the floor, dead once more. Your scribes, your kells, your houses, they will all soon be forgotten, like the elders and the scathe before them, Fickle growled in Varric's precious high speak of judgment. This drew Varric closer, face to face through the cell's porthole. Fickle turned his ear upward, listening, brought his attention back to Varric. Father says... The pause hung heavy in the air. Father says... You know where your true loyalty lies. The fanatic stepped back from the porthole and waited. Loyalty. True loyalty. He expected a memory of Mara to appear in his mind, but instead, instead he found himself thinking about the prophecies of House Rain, Kell of Kells. Days later, Variks performed his duties for the last time. He visited Central Control, ran a test sim on the security systems, made some adjustments based on the results, revised and signed off on the daily roster rotations. Finally, he had a private conversation with the prison's sole remaining high servitor. The prison of elders would not go without a warden. He did not speak to Petra. By the end of that day, the prison of elders descended into chaos. Your time will come, Varix. Aldrin sits in his favorite spot, gazing in his favorite direction. She told me so. She has but one last wish of you. No, your grace. Varric's voice was gravelly with emotion. It is I who has one last service for you. Varric's left before he could change his mind. A klaxon blared. The voice of the prison's high servitor echoed over the loudspeakers. In Varric's voice. Security systems malfunction. Emergency shutdown and reboot commencing. The place dropped momentarily into darkness, but emergency lighting quickly illuminated the cell block. All around him, alarms sounded, warning lights flashed, pneumonics hissed, and cryogenic fluids evaporated to fog as the cryocells lining the cell block began to open. Varix moved as quickly as he could towards the exit, not bothering to look back, for he knew what he had seen. The scorned barons and Prince Aldrin were free, as was every single resident of the Prison of Elders. Varric slipped out under cover, under cover of prison anarchy through the same secret passage in which Petra and Cade had smuggled Prince Aldrin. There, a ship weight loaded with the prison's ether stores. As he walked, he made two recordings to be sent out by the prison's relays once he was away. For the first, he disabled his voice synth and began, in the deep resonance of high speak, to give commands. He didn't know how many would answer Judgment's call, but he had to try. For the second, he turned his voice synth back on. They call me betrayer, I who was most loyal. They do not think I hear the words, bugs, insect, he paused, fallen. Up long strides, fast now, among, along the ramp into the ship, toward the bridge, a vandal in wolf color saluted him as he passed. I hear the words, house judgment always hears, no choice, to keep the houses together, he paused again as he reached the bridge of his ship. Judgment always hears. The great machine stood in judgment. Elixni fell to fighting, fell to hate. Emotion caught in his voice. Cannot stomach this hate. 
As he spoke, the ship's engines rumbled to life. On the screens, Varix could see explosions resonating through the prison, his former charges running rampant. His ship passed through the bay's barrier and began to move off. Nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to be. Here. He drew himself up to his full height. And so I become Varix the Kel. House judgment envoy to the Elixni people. No choice, he repeated, chuckling deep in his throat. His voice was calm. Elixni must rise. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Varric's trying to take on the mantle. Except, I mean, like, so... He calls for it, but he doesn't... Like he, he, he he's recognizing himself. Power can only himself. be granted. Yeah. Well, he's recognizing himself as the Kell of Judgment, which, to be fair, kind of has the right to, because he's right. the only he's one. He's the of only judgment. one. Like he doesn't specifically call himself Kell of Kells, but like I I see like I think he's just basically I think this is Varric's obviously just being like you know what enough is effing enough like I'm. Like, obviously, no one's going to do this. So here I'm going to just I'm just going to take care of it. Like, I'm just going to do it myself. What's what's interesting to me is that this is further clarification that the different houses aren't necessarily they're like teams more than. I guess. You Wait, can switch. Wait, how, teams. Do, how do you mean? Oh, oh yeah. Well, you can it's switch the feudal. Teams. It's the feudal system. It's, right. it's definitely right. a feudal system. Because well, and and this is um, to to kind of go back. This is not the first time that we've seen Elixni or well Fallen switch from house to house. Uh, we had right. house. Uh, was it Winter who deferred? Was it Winter that deferred to Wolves or Wolves that deferred to one of the Winch. one of the Barons? One of the Barons in Winter, I think, had been a Winter wolf was the one or something. on Venus. Uh, basically we've we've seen we've seen issues of we've seen instances i mean the whole consolidation of house dusk with uh the kell of kings telling aldrin hey you are you have to be the one to take control because i am too proud basically is what he's saying he's like i can't in good faith make the statement to converge all houses but you can. And so right. that's where that's where you see the Kell of Kings bow to Aldrin is because he does that with the understanding and Aldrin does. But he does that with the message to Aldrin that I will give you the recognition of being a Kell above me if you will then use that power to save my people. Mm-hmm. And and that's where kind of Krask kind of signs his own death warrant in a, in, a, in a way but like and so the 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 transference of alignments has definitely been there but i also get the sense that judgment is is different judgment house judgment is not meant to be house judgment is aligned to the elixni it's not aligned to house judgment if that makes sense like that's kind of the feeling I get with them is they they kind of are they I get the sense that house judgment kind of serves all houses but is serves none. Like they're they're house, present yeah. they're present in all houses but they serve none. If that makes any sense, they 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 are they are the judges the that are outside of the, the system. They're outside right. the political system, supposedly. So yeah, supposedly. I mean, like I'm I'm not gonna. 
I mean, I, we don't know enough to get into like a full debate on the politics there, but right. like judgment, I, I, I get the sense that judgment, while judgment might've had the same political structure internally, like they might've still had, you know, whatever internally, um, Though actually, now that I'm thinking about that, I don't think even they had their own Kel. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'd have to, I have to. I have to go back. I don't and think they did that. I, I, I think I've they always... were the only house that we knew that didn't have one. That was at least this. We know there was never one established, as far as destiny. Right. Time I always. I and Pins is saying this as well. Like I always got the feeling that uh, it was very much like the Eastern concept of judges and arbiters. There mm-hmm. was a there was a um, a scribe, if you will, uh, within each house from house judgment, but they were a neutral party. They were there to right. make sure that the other houses stayed on like stayed on the up and up. Like, mm-hmm. They were they were the neutral party that could call anybody to task without regard without um, fear of political retribution. When you have a, a series full of pirates and people who don't listen to each other on a regular basis, you need some sort of mediate. Well, but I mean, to be fair, I think that was the case even during the Golden Age, too. I think I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's where like because uh, this goes back to an earlier card, uh, the uh, the uh, bah, 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 unknown space. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a mention of the House of Kings and House Judgment were the ones that brought an end to the Edge Wars. Like. So judgment has been kind of the thing that judgment is like the wandering law keeper. You know, like he, right. they're they're above they're above the house politics because by their very nature they keep the law of the Olixney. What bugs me about this card though is the fact that Varix seems to do two con- contrary things. One or three things lets Aldrin go, which in turn lets Fickrell and the rest of the barons and everybody else in prison of elders go, go. And then he wants to gather the last of the fallen together and, or at least try to gather the fallen together. Yet he releases the barons, which are some of the worst at converting the fallen into other scorn and causing havoc and splitting up all the different fallen houses I- it's not I think it bugs me the way so and I and I I 100% see that but I also see that because if you notice he denies Aldrin his last wish right. he says he says no I have one last search so this is me kind of reading him being like after this we're done like right. I no longer am fealty I, I no longer owe fealty to you uh, which also goes in line with him announcing himself as a Kel, because now he doesn't bow to another Kel, unless it's the Kel of Kells. You know, right. like I, I get this. I get this as being Varix being like, "Look, this is my gift. This is my last gift to Aldrin," and you know, he's just like, "This is it." And then, I also kind of get the feel, and this is in this part. This next part is entirely in my head canon. But I also get the sense that like it's like the whole thing of like if we see each other again on the battlefield, it's not like we don't owe each other anything. It's fair game. Like this is me evening the uh, this is me you know evening the ledger where mm-hmm. we don't owe each other anything. Um, and then also you know he 
I mean, to be fair, you know, there's also Black Flags bringing this up too. He's maybe also gambling on the Guardians getting involved. You know, yeah, it's it's just so there's so many things that it definitely is a contradiction. It's seen, it, yeah. on the surface, it definitely is a contradiction. But I really, honestly, I I read I read that piece of it being him kind of yeah black flag him washing his hands of the situation with Aldrin because he he from the start didn't agree with it um, right and so I think so that's kind of his he's like he's rectifying what he sees as a wrong against Aldrin right the consequence is obviously that the the he barons are also yeah, yeah the barons are also released but he I mean like that's at this point he's like you did not li-. I mean to be fair his view of Petra is like you didn't listen I tried to warn you about these things and it's like, you know, this is, this is, you reap what you sow. Right. I could see that. It's just, it's also interesting because it's almost like he's abandoning his concept of drag strength. Yeah. Sorry. Dino, Dino and chat. That's where, that's my, that was along my lines as well. Like, um, he he quotes the drag strength thing. He drag strength is cozying up to powers you barely understand and making yourself useful or at least inoffensive. You become a parasite, a scavenger, a servant. That's the strength that keeps Varric alive. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, so by declaring himself Kel, he has pretty much completely abandoned the concept of drag strength because he's not aligning himself to something higher. He is acknowledging himself as that thing that is higher so yeah he mean like he's not he's not bowing to anybody anymore he's expecting i i I, and i this is kind of putting maybe something into that but i think he's it's more of like he's expecting others to recognize him as his own power whereas with dreg strength you um cozy up to something else i think that's a good place if you guys don't have anything else to throw in on the on that breakdown there i think we we have a pretty good stopping point not at the moment varix is i'm interested to see what happens with varix later because they've set him up to be either disappeared forever or come up in a very intense way or come back like he could do so many different things knowing him. I, I'm really interested because with with the ending that we have here with Varix and then also with uh, Mithrax running around somewhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, oh, my God. Like, there's so many possibilities. Like, they could team up. They could be at odds. They could do just not care to... each other. You know, they could not care about each other. You know, there's, honestly. Do you I, want to ex- explain who Mithrax is a little bit? Basically, long story short, Mithrax is uh, the the captain that we had the opportunity to spare. Uh, it was one of the only missions. Actually, I think it's the only mission that you actually had uh, two different decisions. endings. You your yeah. decisions actually impacted the way the mission ended, uh, and this was on it Titan. Was on Titan, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Mith- Mithrax kind of is just like doing his own thing at this point it, it, i don't think he really he's kind of yeah miss misrax he's he, he's known by a couple different things you see him also actually interacting with uh guardians and with sejur and like i mean he's he's kind of making his way around stuff 
um, doing things that are not in line with the traditional view of the Elixni or the Fallen. Uh, he is aligning himself with independent forces, which is really interesting to me. Um, but I can also, like I said, I can see him getting along with Varix in the same way I can also see him not getting along with Varix. Right. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where these two divergent lines, if they're going to intersect, I, I can't see how they won't intersect, but right. how, how they collide is going to be a very interesting thing. I agree. I think it'll be Mithrax is definitely one of the more interesting characters in so much that just don't he's such a wild card you just don't know what in the world is going to happen yay another book down only like six more to go it seems yeah next week i'm excited though yeah yeah i'm super pumped for next week (laughs) do you you have any shout outs green uh i do uh my shout out is actually kind of a slight self promotion for us it is the fact that in your RSS feed, you probably have noticed there are some extra things going on or extra things dropping. Those are the supplements, the audio supplements that uh, a few of us have recorded. Blue's recorded one. I've recorded a few, or I guess Blue, you've recorded two of them. I've recorded a few, and we had Infested Potato help us along with the Ghost Stories one. That is available not only in your podcast feed, but also on YouTube. And they were a ton of fun to play or record and get into the minds of some of these different characters, which is also terrifying. Um, Self-promotion. Mara Sinis is next week's uh, topic. And that was one of the, that was the first book I recorded. And it is intense you want to hear about the history of the awoken and where they came from marasena will give you a lot of that information and it's amazing and my shout out is kind of a shameless self-plug of go listen to my audio recording of it guys it's amazing it's um, fun also uh like i said at the top of the show keep an eye on the social media and the discord servers uh we will be putting out information about the giveaways and the other stuff that we're doing for the three-year anniversary uh out Mm -hmm. there uh and again just huge huge shout out to you guys the the listeners and those who are in live chat right now and those on the discord server and everyone who you know just kind of keeps giving us feedback and encouraging us to keep doing what we're doing uh really really it's it's because of you guys that we are doing this uh because you know otherwise we would just uh, yeah but huge shout out to you guys um but yeah i think that's gonna be it we'll run through an outro and then we'll see you guys next week yeah with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash chat links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on itunes as well 
Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>